0: All right, if you would turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4, or you could look there in your bulletin. We have it printed there for you. Just to let you know, we, we uh, are aware that the bulletin is kind of Faded. Uh, that was that became an issue Friday, and and uh, you know the printer people don't come immediately when you need help. So we, we're going to get that. Re- and they're, they're coming Monday. I was just wondering. It's not your eyes, because you know the whole time I've been going, what's wrong with me? Anyway, so um, my eyes are kind of going bad at forty three, but I am like, this, this should be darker. It should be anyway. Um, this it is our practice at. Um, Is Rick still on somewhere? Anyway, it might get interesting. Anyway, um, we—it uh, is our practice here at at Faith to preach through a book of the Bible and just to. Take it, you know, verse by verse, section by section. I'm convicted, I'm convinced that's the way we do it. All of God's word is breathed out by Him. It's all beneficial to His people. And if I wasn't so convicted by that, I would probably have skipped this one. Uh, if you still have your King James there, there's a passage that, that translates it as, And Zipporah casts the foreskin at Moses' feet and says, You are my bloody husband. That's what the King James says. That's a strange verse. It's a little more uh, toned down here in the ESV, but uh, it, it's a strange event. Um, but it, it uh, it's an important event. If, if it wasn't, then it would not be recorded by Moses, and it would not have been recorded by the prompting of his spirit. And, uh, and so it's the, the challenge is, how do, what, is this, what does this mean for Moses? What, what, is, what is this passage about, and, um, and, and how did it help him to go through this? How did it help his family? How's it going to help us? uh... this morning and so um... but we're gonna we're gonna see that so before we read let's pray Uh, gracious god your word is is good your word is true and it every page it points to you your covenant faithfulness your love for your people um... your power your authority your might all that's is very clearly displayed and and it ultimately points to your your faithfulness your power and might through um... Your Son, Jesus Christ, and His atoning sacrifice. Lord, help us to see that even here in this text this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey, and he went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood, because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain, and God... Mount of God and kissed him and Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord which which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did all the signs in the sight of the people and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord Yahweh had visited his people of Israel visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction they bowed their heads and worshiped The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God endures forever in this uh, book, in the book of Exodus, we've seen God's covenant people struggle under harsh slavery. God's people were brought into Egypt to, to you know, escape the famine. God preserved them and grew them. But now, 400 years later, uh, the, the pharaohs have and the people of Egypt have forgotten the goodness of Joseph and they are enslaved. And um, we see the, the redeemer that God has picked trying his own strength. to do something about this affliction and utterly and completely fail and then go off into exile and to be demoted uh, from a prince to a shepherd in the land of Midian, and he lived that life for forty years. And then we see God now deciding the time is right. You know, because that look—it looks right, right? No, it doesn't. But God said it's right, and He goes to Moses and says, "You're my guy. This is what we're going to do. You're going to go, and you're going to tell Pharaoh what's what." And Moses comes up with every excuse he can of why this is not a good idea. He just responds in doubt. It responds in, in, uh, in fear. And finally here we see at the beginning of this passage, Moses, he makes a positive turn, doesn't he? He, he finally is convinced. He's got Aaron to help him. God told, gave him that that in his mercy. He said, take Aaron. Aaron will be with you. He will speak for you. And he goes, he, he takes up the staff and he goes to do the job, taking his family with him. But we see that he's still forgetting something. There's something he's still forgetting. There is more for Moses for, to learn. There's more to learn for him. There's more to learn for us. There's four things, four short points here I want us to see in this text. I want you to see, first, Moses embracing God's signs of power. He embraces God's signs of power. Second, we see Pharaoh rejecting God's signs of power. Thirdly, Moses forgets God's sign of promise. And then lastly, God's people of promise believe God's words and signs of power. Um, So this first point, we see uh, Moses finally, but wait, what? Reluctantly, with a weak faith, going, okay. I've, I've given you all the reasons why I'm not fit for the job, and you keep assuring me that that they're going to know you, they're going to know your name, they're going to believe you. You can, you're going to do this, and and even when he's just like, I, even when he kindles God's anger against him, God says, "Look, Aaron's going to be waiting on you. It's going to be okay. I, we're I, we're going to do. I'm going to do this." And, and, and Moses returns and goes to his father-in-law. And again, this is a big ask um, in this culture. He's living in his father-in-law's household. He works for him. His family is there. And he asks, Jethro, this is what I must do. I must go check on the well-being. And that's what that means to see if my people are still alive. He's saying, how are they doing? Are they even there? And, and Jethro says, go. And you see Jethro, this man of faith, still believing and says, go, go in peace and go in shalom, go in wholeness and fullness. Go do this thing that God, the true God has commanded you to do. And, um, and as he goes, uh, God re- reiterates his command to go to Egypt and he gives him a, a further assurance knowing Moses is weak, that Moses is still scared. He goes, look. That, that death penalty that was, that was put on your head for killing the Egyptian, all those people are gone. All those people are gone. You're going to go. You're going to do my work. Go. And Moses with that, not only goes himself, but takes his family with him. And so if you're, if you're watching this, if you're reading it for the first time, you're going, oh good, our hero is finally like stepping up, right? <laughs> he's, he's, he's moving into and believing God's word and he's moving forward. And then there's this great, this great uh, picture where as he goes and he packs up the, the people on the donkey... Um, and you know, as I was thinking about, he gets all his kids, his wife, on donk on a donkey. It says one donkey. Um, he's got multiple kids. I have a suburban. I don't know how. Uh, is that, that was, that's not really a point, any point of the sermon. But it is an interesting. It might be one of those ark things. How did all the animals fit on the ark? How did all his family fit on a donkey? That I don't know. But um, that's a weird thought I had. Anyway, um, but they're making their way. And, he, and he's, he, does, he does good, doesn't he? He, he? he doesn't forget the thing that he has to have, and it's the staff of God. And uh, if, if you weren't here, what, why is this so important? It's, it's, it's the staff by which he's going to perform the signs. And what were the signs? It was the, the it's going to turn into, turn into a snake, and he's going to take it up. And it turned back into a staff. He's going gonna, gonna, gonna to touch the water with it and it's going to turn from water to blood. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be by that staff that he's holding. He's going he's gonna to put his hand and turn it leprous and bring healing again to his hand and restore it. That is, God says, take this staff. It's by this staff you will do these things. Uh, God has, has determined that he's going to work uh, through this symbol of his power, this staff, which is called the staff of God. And Moses is sure to take this staff with him. In a sense, he's taking the power of God with him. These signs of God that are kind of encapsulated are going to be performed using this instrument. It's a really interesting thing. It's it's as close to like, I don't know, if you read Tolkien and Gandalf's staff and he does performs magic or magic wand. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a unique thing where this, it's by this thing that he's holding that God's going to do these signs. And, it's long, and, and we, if we keep reading the story, the staff is really important. It's, you know, it's the, you know, that, that it's a sign of authority and power and, and, and it's going to be put into the, the Ark of the Covenant. This is a big deal. And so he's got this staff and, and he's taking it with him. God's power, God's going God's to do this thing and he's holding it. Can you imagine having that staff? What does that feel like? You know, uh, I know some people like to go shoot guns, really big guns. They like to hold like power, you know. You know, uh, drive fast cars. You know, hey, imagine holding the staff of God. What would that go for on a uh, on marketplace? What do you think? Is it really the staff of God? There's like 80 staffs of God here. Which one is the right one? Oh, he's got five stars. That's probably the right one. Anyway, um, that's a marketplace joke. Okay, um, but imagine that power. Imagine He's going with confidence in the power of God. He finally turns and believes, and he takes hold of this is how God's going to do this. He's a powerful God, the almighty God. He's going to perform these signs. I've got it, God. Let's go. That brings us to the second point take that staff good job you're going to go you're going to perform the signs and guess what Pharaoh's not going to believe what? what this is how you convinced me God that I'm going to do these things it's amazing and you know he put the staff down we read. he ran off it was a real snake Moses was convinced he was a shepherd he knew the difference right he ran it scared him it scared him he was convinced that God was going to do mighty things. And he's saying, take it, good, keep going, take your family, you're going to be alright, but he's not going to, he's not going to budge. That, that's a weird kind of motive, isn't it? I mean, think we read stuff like this and we go, well, that's the Bible, the Bible says stuff like that. But like, well, that's weird. That's probably not what he was expecting. I've got the power, I've got God's power, and that, this pharaoh's going to not budge, and i 'm going and what do you want me to tell Pharaoh?' we're your, taking out your firstborn we 're taking out the line of Pharaoh if you don't do what God says that 's a strange thing. He says that it's going to happen. And if we keep reading, we're going to see it as we keep reading it. Pharaoh rejects God's signs of power. God speaks of what will be. The power, powerful signs shall be performed and yet he will not budge. Why? Why does he not budge? And it says it because God hardened his heart. Now what do we do with that? The Egyptians believe that the heart... Much like our culture today is the essence of the person, someone's heart, the inner spiritual center of self. And they believed that the hearts of the gods, Ra and the gods Horus, were sovereign over everything. That it was the hearts of their gods that were in charge. And they also believed, get this, that Pharaoh was the incarnation of these two gods. So, what's the takeaway here? That God, Yahweh, controls the hearts of the Egyptian gods. God is more powerful than Ra, than Horus, than Pharaoh, who they deified. Yahweh says, let my firstborn son go, or I will take your firstborn son. This constituted... A direct assault on the royal succession of Egypt. This said, my God is more powerful than you, the God of Egypt. God is the one, Yahweh is the one who decides who sits on the throne. And God hardens his heart, which means he lacks the ability to respond in faith and belief in what he's seeing it's not a deficit of the signs and get that it's, why is it so important for him to say that one is showing his dominance over Pharaoh and dominance over the Egyptian gods but also it's saying that it, this is not the, the fault is not in the power of God the fault is not in the sign the lacking the, the, the problem is with the heart of Pharaoh and God is sovereign over the hearts of his people God determines if they will be able to believe and see and affirm what is true about him. Moses embraces God's signs of power. He says, Pharaoh will see these very things, these very same things you saw and he will reject it and will not budge. But there will be more signs. There will be more signs that I will do. And I will get my people out. But it's so interesting, isn't it? That you have these signs that were so convincing to Moses, and yet has no effect on Pharaoh. The difference is God's promise, God's sovereign grace in Moses' life. That's something that Pharaoh doesn't have. And that brings us to the third point, something that Moses forgot. Moses forgets God's sign of promise. Here we get to the the strange part, this really strange event that um, is unique in Scripture. It's strange for many reasons, Um, you know, besides throwing foreskin at someone. That's strange in itself. But it's also hard to interpret. I have looked at a number of commentaries, and, and I, I promise I found four different versions and four different good commentaries. And, and it's, a, it's a strange. Some of that's because of the ambiguity of the text. When I say ambiguity, I don't mean it's not true. But if you look at your text, if you have your, your ESV or Bible there, um, you know they were at a lodging, that's clear. On the way, Yahweh met them and sought to put him to death. Now, that's a third-person plural pronoun. We, there's, who's to him? Alright? Then Zipporah, okay, we got a name. That's Moses' wife. Took a flint and cut off her son. Okay, we're assuming it's the firstborn, Gershom. Right, But again, we don't have a name. There's just one son that she does this to. And she touches. Now, it says Moses' feet, but if you have your little... There's a little number there. And it says, actually, that's that's an interpretation. It actually says his feet. Another pronoun. We don't have a name. So, really, it says, he touched his feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he... That's, again, I have to... It's God. It was... He let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So there's, there's ambiguity. There's, there's these pronouns, but we don't have names. And so we have to sort it out. And there's been some different views on how to interpret this. I'm convinced that the hymn that Yahweh is determined to kill is Gershom, Moses' firstborn son. Why is that? Well, it's context. The context of the previous verse. What did he What has he just said? He's just said, uh, "If if you do not let my firstborn son go, I will cut off your firstborn. I will I will take your firstborn from you." And so here we are. The very next verse. There's got to be a connection. <laughs> you know, God doesn't just say random things without purpose. So who's the him? Uh, it's. I'm convinced it must be his. Firstborn son. Again, the son is referenced later of the one who receives the circumcision from his mother. Um, Again, that's awkward, and um, and and so that's the that's the person that God's determined to kill. And And again, just at the outset, Moses go do this thing. I'm with you. Take my take the staff, and then on the way, God tries to kill, sets out to destroy and kill Moses' son. Again, strange. Why would God tell Moses to go to Egypt and then immediately afflict him and try to take his son's life? Why? I'm convinced that as we interpret this text that the issue is not that, we don't take away from this some kind of, if, if you're not circumcised, then God doesn't love you. We're not taking any kind of sacramentalist view that circumcision, that, a, that the Old Testament sacrifice, was, I mean, sacrament was necessary unto salvation. But that what we take away is that God's covenant promises have to be embraced. And that's why we read at the beginning of the service um, the passage from Genesis. He makes this promise and he says, But my covenant, the covenant you are to keep is to give this sign to your sons for generations. To to embrace the promise and and to remember the promise I've given. Moses grew up in a Jewish home, did he not? He was born there. He he, he was not put into the basket until he was three months uh, old. But it was at eight days old that, that Hebrew children were circumcised. So Moses has received this. But where has Moses lived for 40 years? He's lived in exile. He's lived in Midian. And so here he is. He's coming back to um, his people. And his son His has not received this... This uh, covenant sign. Why why is God so harsh, though? Why is this so? Why is he so responding this way? Why not while he's talking to him, but while he's packing up the donkey? Hey, Moses, have you circumcised your sons? (laughs) I mean, that, that might have been a good, you know, while you're packing up, thinking about your trip, hey, you should probably do this. But again, this, I think this is here, and this, the order is so intentional because it's, it's, it's communicating something profound to Moses, profound to Gershom, profound to Zipporah, his whole family, profound to us. That, that the promises come before the power. That it's, it's, it's by the promise of God, by His covenant faithfulness, that what? That His power is not against us, but for us. The Almighty God is holy and just. And if not for this covenant, if not for His saying, I will be your God and you will be my people and I am going to love you and I'm going to redeem you. If not for that, all the power, the staff that He holds, the power that's coming, the, the acts of judgment should be on Israel as well. And I'm convinced when Zipporah looks and says bridegroom of, of blood, I think that another way to translate that, and again, this is a minority view, but um, it's, it's the same root for father-in-law and mother-in-law. It's, it's a relation by law, relation by covenant. And I think, and again, there's debate, that she's actually talking to Gershom and saying, you are a covenant relative of blood. Because you have received the sign. And that she doesn't touch Moses' feet, but she actually touches Gershom's feet. That She, she makes sure that it's evident that he's received the sign. You know, blood, there's gravity. Where does it go? Down. <laughs> that this blood, this 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 gross, <laughs> bloody... Intimate sign of the covenant promise. He's received it and he is now a covenant relative of blood. He's received God's covenant sign. What does this sound like? What does it make us think about? In a few chapters we're going to see what? The Passover. The blood was shed. And the firstborn was spared. And God passed over that house... See, Moses remembered the power. But the power doesn't doesn't change the heart. doesn't change the hardened heart. The person that's not of the covenant will not believe. But it's the covenant promise of God. It's It's His doing. It's His faithfulness. It's His changing the heart. That's what makes the word and the sign come through. And Moses needed this jolting experience to always remember that. That all that's about to happen is because of the promise God made in 17 of Genesis and Genesis 15 and 12 and all the way back to 3. God has determined to save a people for himself. And I happen to use you, Moses. And this power is not against you but for you because of my covenant faithfulness. Gershom is a covenant relation of blood. It says what? Because of the circumcision. God's covenant people are the ones who will be delivered by God's power. God's covenant, the people of promise will, will believe and worship. And that's what we see, Right? He shows up. Aaron greets him with a kiss. Aaron hears all that God has told him and he believes and they gather all the people together. All the who? God's covenant people, the people of His promise, and they see the signs, the signs that Pharaoh's going to see, and instead of rejecting it, their hearts are healed. Their hearts are softened. They've been given new hearts, and they believe. And they believe that God has visited them, and that they're going to they're be rescued and kept by Him forever. Why? Because they're children of the promise. God's people will promise, believe God's word and, and His signs of power, and it's only because of that, because of, of, of His promise, His working, His change in their hearts, because He promised to do it that they can believe and trust and know that they are His and know that He is truly God. God's promise to rescue and keep Israel comes first. That's why they can respond in faith. Circumcision is a, is a strange sign. Uh, you know, I, I you know, I, 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 did a, uh, I did college ministry for a number of years, and I, I promise you, I had a, did a, a freshman Bible study, and a young lady goes, we're reading a, a New Testament book that mentions circumcision, and she goes, "What's that?" and then i remembered my my father-in-law used to say thing you know used to get questions that were awkward like that and he'd say ask your mom and your daddy <laughs> um, it's, it's a weird thing it's a, it's a it's a it's a gross bloody intimate creepy <laughs> why why would he pick that it's the sign of His covenant. It's because... And I got this from Tim Keller. Maybe you've heard of him. He said it's because it's showing us the penalty for sin. That the sign... Of, it, it, it's appropriate that the Old Testament sign of being engrafted into, into the children of promise is a bloody one because what? Because His people need atonement. But why why is this not required now? Here Colossians two eleven. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Again, another strange passage we take it literally, we're going, oh, wait, okay, all right, wait. I thought it was this cross. <laughs> You're saying it's Christ's circumcision? He was a you know, Hebrew infant, you know, eight days old, he was circumcised, he did all the things. What does that mean? The circumcision of Christ, that I'm, I'm renewed through the circumcision of Christ? How, what is that? What it means is this, is that not the act, not the sign and seal of circumcision, but what it ultimately points to, being cut off. That's what circumcision points to. If not for my promise, you would be cut off. And if you were a dude, every time you got undressed, every time you went, you know, to do things you had to do, you'd go, "Yep." <laughs> if not for God's promise, I would be cut off. And he bears the mark. Blood was shed. The the sign was received to demonstrate that. And what he means, what Paul means in Colossians 2.11 is that, what? It's not the the sign of circumcision of Jesus. It's the cutting off of the Messiah. He was cut off so we wouldn't have to be. Circumcision points to, what? The atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Sin deserves to be, you you deserve to be cut off from me, God says, but because of my promise, I have you. I will atone. I will redeem you. I will rescue you. I will set you free. And it's the circumcision of Christ. Christ was cut off on our behalf in our stead. That's that's how we are redeemed. How we are receive the redemption of God. That power, the signs, God's might is not directed in wrath against us but in deliverance. In grace and love and redemption. Christ was ex- experienced the curse of the covenant. He was cut off from light, cut off from life, cut off from His Father so that we would not have to be. God wants Moses to remember. Who his power is for and who his power is against. And the signs of his power. The power is only for redemption. It only moves us to faith and worship like the Israelites. If you are a child of the promise. If you are a recipient of God's covenant promise. And if you trust Him today, if you believe, if you're sitting there going, Am I elect? Am I a child of the promise? How do I know? If you trust, if you want to trust, if you want this to be for you, if you want Jesus to be your sacrifice, to be your Savior, then you are a child of promise. Then He has determined from before all of time to save you. Not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because I want to save you by my grace. I want to save you because I decided to. I want to love you forever. The only one who can harden or heal the heart is God. Only His children... The children of the promise can hear the Word and see His works and believe. And because of Christ, the power of Elohim, the Almighty, is not against you, but for you. Not to condemn, but to redeem. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God, has made a way for you by cutting off His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God. We thank you that we have this strange passage, but we thank you that you taught Moses, his family, you taught, you're taught. you teaching us that it's your promise. It's your covenant promise, your covenant faithfulness in which the power to redeem, the power to turn from you, all that comes from that you decided to save a people for yourself. You promised uh, In the garden you would do this. You promised to Abraham. You promised it to Isaac and to Israel, to Jacob. Your promise extended through the ages to David. And it was was reiterated again and and, and further opened up by by, uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel that you would bring about a changed heart. That you would write the word, your word in our heart. That you would give us hearts of flesh that we may trust you and believe you. You you promised that and you've accomplished it. And you did it by allowing your son, your firstborn son, to be cut off. We all deserve to be cut off. We all deserve to be separated from you. But we we rejoice and we revel in your goodness. That you, you know us and you have visited us. And you have rescued us and, you've, and you will keep us forever. Because that's who you are. That's what you've promised, Lord. We revel in your goodness. We revel in your covenant faithfulness. We revel in your redemption through Christ, Lord. Help us to, to all these things to be, to be taken in, and, be, in these, and to be solidified in our minds and our hearts as we take of the supper. It is your cutting off. You're laying down your life so you can take it back up again. That is how your power is shown ultimately. And that's how we can rest in you. And be assured that your power will never be turned against us. But always will be for us, your people. So Lord, use this meal to bring that home more and more and more. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.